And we are back, man. Back again for another episode of the Hoop Plug. Yes, sir, man. You know, we've been coming at you crazy with the YouTube content, man. Shouts out my boy Stir Fry. You know what I'm saying? Really making it happen on that end of the program. You know what I'm saying? How you feeling today, though, my brother? I'm feeling good. Not as good as a young 18-year-old that just got four or five million dollars, but I'm feeling good, you know. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that, bro. Yeah, trust me. I don't feel that good either, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> like we we shouted out PopCon on the last one. I'm feeling nice. You know, so cannot complain, bro. Cannot complain at all. So yeah, let's get into it. Big draft special. The draft happened as you guys have heard, and it was a beautiful night, right? It's always a beautiful night. We, we watched 60-something teenagers have their lives changed for the better, you know, all in a few hours, a culmination of a lifetime's work. So h- how do you not like the NBA draft, the NFL draft, all the professional drafts where these kids are getting taken care of? 100%, man. And you said it, man. The, the drafts are filled with all the emotions, right? You got the happiness, not quite sadness, but the uh, the tears, you know what I'm saying, oh, yeah. of of making it, you know, man, it's 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 a... Not only is it a star-studded night, you know what I'm saying, future stars and current, but, man, it's uh, it's a great experience to be a part of, and especially to see these young men finally achieve their dreams of 18 years, you know? And it's beautiful how they got the parents involved now. They're, like, at the hip through the whole process, and, like, it's going to make me emotional. You got my mom's out there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just became a millionaire. I'm going to buy her house and me a house. Like, oh, come on. Great, great feeling, bro. Great feeling, right? Um, but yeah, man, without further ado, man, this draft has, uh, needless to say, like it always is every year, it's been an interesting one. I think this is a strong draft class we have. I don't want to steal your notes, but you had mentioned a very interesting observation about this year's draft compared to one in recent years. You want to delve into that one a little bit for us? Of course. Well, well, coming in, right, we knew the one, two, three order. The top five were pretty solidified. We didn't know the exact order, but the rumors were it's supposed to go Jabari Smith Jr. first. Chet two, and Paolo Banchero three, right? Some had Chet one, Jabari two. They flip-flopped them, but it wasn't supposed to be Paolo first. And I was like, why? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't watch too much college basketball, but what I did see made it crystal clear that Paolo Banchero was the best, at least offensive talent in this draft, right? It was reminiscent of that Tatum draft class where Lonzo and Markel went first and second, but Tatum is 6'10", the most offensive skilled of the three. It just made sense, right? Like, we know it's a wing game, right? KD, LeBron, Kawhi, these are the guys running the league. Tatum is there. Steph is an exception. Yeah, but for sure. The 6'10 offensive juggernaut should always be going number one if that was me. And um, that surprised me. But this time they got it right, in my opinion, with Paolo going number one to Orlando. Yeah, you said it. So I saw some of his comparisons Paolo did. Um, They have him, and I I hope I'm not uh, remembering incorrectly, but I think they had his scoring ability comparable, or excuse me, his tenacity comparable to Michael Beasley. They had his uh, vision and passing ability comparable to Ben Simmons, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, maybe maybe I missaw it, but they had basically who they think is comparable to this guy. So, I think I saw that too, but people were getting on these comparisons all night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So regardless though, regardless, you have a three-level scorer, um, young, tall, versatile wing, very athletic, can basically get whatever he wants on the offensive end, can contribute uh, in terms of boards, rebounding, you know what I mean? I think the interesting part about this, and you mentioned you know, the, the shades of Jason Tatum, and mm-hmm. he's for sure separated himself as the best player in that draft, right? 
the higher ceiling out of the top three picks, in my opinion, you know what I mean? He might not impact the league right away, um, although he does have the potential to do that on an Orlando Magic squad that has been begging for a player of this type, you know, uh, a person who can basically score the bucket, be a star. Um, people to compliment those guys like Mo Bamba and Cole Anthony and, and those kind of cats that they've drafted in recent years, you know what I'm saying? Um, so, yeah, no, I think it was a very good draft pick. Um, by a team that we're accustomed to seeing drafting pretty poorly. You know what I mean? Um, it wouldn't have been a shock if we saw them pick a guy who would have been the worst out of the top five. But I don't think it's it's the case with Paolo, you know? Yeah, and I agree with you. I think the comparison, at least that first part, the physicality of a Beasley is right on point because I like the Jason Tatum comparison with the offensive skill set, the versatility in their game. He can pass, shoot, dribble. But there's a physicality to Paolo. That, that is apparent as soon as you watch him, and a lot of y'all will see it in Summer League, that is different from Jason Tatum. Um, something you say he might be missing uh, in these finals. But I like the fit alongside Cole Anthony, right? Orlando has stockpiled a bunch of talented bigs and guards. They got Fultz, they got Cole, they got Bamba, as you said. Yep. Um, Even Isaac. But now they have, yeah, Isaac, I was about to say. Now they have a, a wing, a talented wing that can fit with that young group. And maybe hopefully take some minutes from Terrence Ross, who's been playing for them for it feels like 10 years. <laughs> He'll probably still find a way to jack up 20 shots in his 10 minutes. But yeah, yeah. I like it all in all. Yeah, um, you said it. Uh, I think it was a great move for the Orlando Magic. Let's hope that it gets them. I'm actually in Orlando right now visiting my uh, younger hey. brother. You know what I'm saying? So he's an Orlando fan by default. So I just hope, you know, because I'm going to be here pretty often, this team uh, can do what they're supposed to do. Maybe have a re relive those Orlando Magic, Dwight Howard, maybe those Shaq years. You know what I'm saying? Facts. Uh, yeah. Moving on to number two. We had Chet Holmgren, the 7-1-7-2 center, go to OKC. And you said that you thought Paolo was the most high potential, potentially the most high potential guy in the draft. This is my most high potential guy. The wingspan is crazy. The length is crazy. He also brings an intensity, right? You see the string bean of a kid running through the lane, and, <laughs> and you might think he's soft, right? You probably give him with all the European tags that you assume when you see a, a fair-skinned player. <laughs> but I think he goes against the grain with that, man. He likes to mix it up. He likes to get physical. Um, he's going to have to put on some size, but I have my doubts with him. But I think he's going to be a productive player. His floor is very high. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, probably the most well-known player entering the draft, right? So I think a few years back, we saw him crossing over Steph Curry en route to easy layup. Um, also, I think there was a documentary about his school. I, was it? I don't even remember. I believe it was on Netflix. So basically, Chet is a guy that we've known about for some time now. Uh, he's a unicorn. He's a freak. You know, he's seven foot. He can shoot the rock. He can, you know, do what he has to do in the paint, um, can handle the ball, facilitate. So like you mentioned, very high ceiling. Um, I think it's hard for him to achieve that at the current weight and frame that he has, which you also kind of got into. So let's see. It's it's the easiest thing is to pack on the pounds in the league, right? Uh, the hardest part is refining those skills and having some of those things that he worked on leading up to this point. So Chet's a good player. Um, again, I think if he hits that potential, um, he will be a great player to come. But, you know, again, very, very high on Paolo myself. I see a so. bit of Porzingis too. Very, very much so. But the reason why, again, I said um, – Paolo, in my opinion, as opposed to Porzingis, or excuse me, Porzingis, right? As opposed to Chet, is actually because of what we've seen out of Porzingis in the league, right? And he had a couple dominant years there with the New York Knicks. Um, but, you know, with, I think regardless of that injury, um, I didn't see him 
being able to keep those numbers up consistently for the remainder of his career. You know, those were freaking nature numbers. And again, not to say that he wasn't going to be able to impact a team positively, um, but I don't know if I saw him always being a number one guy for any team in the league, you know? Okay, yeah. I think I'm probably on there yeah. on that with you. And then Jabari Smith Jr. goes three. He dropped. I don't know if it's a drop from one to three, but potentially a drop. Landing in Houston, right? This is a, an interesting fit. I think interesting isn't good, right? Um, yeah. When you think Houston, you think Jalen Green. And you've got a pick-and-roll partner, a dynamic force, a lob threat, and a defender, rim protector in Jabari Smith. Very talented, a lot of upside here. Um, I like the pick. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Uh, this is a guy who averaged about 17.7.5 rebounds in college, uh, two assists, which, I mean, you know, they don't scream at you, but are decent numbers when it comes to the passing lanes for a big man. Um, the, the stuff that really surprised me here was his shooting numbers throughout college, man. And, you know, freshman only played one year, but he's shooting 43% from the field, 42% from three-point land, and just 0.1% under 80% from the free throw line. Um, on top of that, he's doing it efficiently with a 25.1 PER. Um, Jabari Smith was a guy that, like you said, I mean, really and truly, there's so many shades of that Jason Tatum, Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz draft class, right? Any one of those guys could have gone first. I think it really just depended on team needs, you know? Um, and really and truly, right, if you compare Paolo and Jabari, they're very similar player types, you know, guys who can basically do it on every, score on every level, um, big guys who can impact on the defensive end of the floor um throw chet in there he's it's basically they're, they're very similar player types all very high skilled guys so yeah um no complaints for me in the top three there you know and after that top three things got interesting because <laughs> then we had sacramento at four and they are the notorious bad drafters of the nba right yeah whoever they draft the next guy is going to be a star <laughs> they missed on luca by one pick they missed on clay by one pick and the list goes on and on. The Knicks wanted that pick. They did everything. There was a lot of smoke where there's smoke, there's fire about the Knicks trading up to, project, to pick Jaden Ivey, right? Probably the most athletic guard in the class, freak of nature, shades of Donovan Mitchell. Sacramento didn't do that, right? <laughs> they went and got Keegan Murray. Shouts out to a Murby. But he's just a Swiss <laughs> Army knife. They drafted for fit, even though every projection, every poll had Murgy, Murray after Ivy. They were like, yeah. okay, we got Fox. We don't need another guard. Well, you should have traded down. Okay. Uh, and, yeah. then, <laughs> and then Detroit with the fifth pick breaks my heart. They choose Jaden Ivy. And, and they did what they're supposed to do. It's their pick. They weren't forced to trade it to us, even though we would have gave them whatever they wanted. But <laughs> Detroit Pistons do that. Ended up getting another center, Duran, from Memphis. And people are dubbing them the best draft night. Um, and in the process of that best draft night, they demolished the Knicks' plans in the process. <laughs> so, yeah, for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said it for sure. Um, I, I got to go back to Keegan for a second, man. And don't get me wrong. You mentioned it. I think they more so drafted for fit. But I mean, you can't sleep on what the guy did in his you know second season in college, right? Basically off the bench in his first season, 31 games played, four started, only averaged seven points a game. Comes back the next season to be able to put up damn near 24 points a game. Again, plays plays for Iowa, bro, which is in the Big Ten Conference. I mean, this has not been the strongest Big Ten Conference we've seen. 
but nonetheless a very strong conference. While also able to average 8.7 rebounds, almost two blocks, 1.3 steals. Like, I can't necessarily fault the Kings for taking him. But with that being said, Jason Thompson put up similar numbers, you know, and he, <laughs> so it's, you know what I'm saying? Shouts out to Ryder. So I don't want to um, talk down on this young man because, you know, he des- he put in all the work to get here. And I know that's not what you're doing. But, man, the Kings, they have such bad luck. I wouldn't be surprised if a few years down the road they've got this young man out the league or on a different squad, you know? I was pretty sold on Jaden Ivey, but the fact that the Kings passed on him and then he went after with that track record, he's going to be a star. There's it's, no doubt about it. It's already done. There's no doubt about it. So <laughs> with all that being said, you mentioned it, man. The Pistons, they stole the show last night. You know what I mean? They set up the Knicks, you know, told them, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and to completely be frauds on draft nights. So I know that one had to hurt, but uh, at the same time, you cannot blame them because their squad is improved very much yeah, so after like last many, night. How many guards do you guys need, Detroit? Like you, you drafted guards in the top five the last three years. Seriously, they got Killian Hayes there in the end of the rotation, like not really able to do anything. Yeah, this is an acknowledgement that that was a fuck up of a pick because you just drafted another guard that's going to start over. Seriously, seriously, you know? Um, And I think they not to get too deep into Killian, right, because I had never been a big fan of him myself, but um, I think that was more so a hype pick than anything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get into this Knicks draft night drama, bro. All right, because there were lots of confusion around among the Knicks fans. First, we were getting Duran. Then we were trading him away for nothing for about two hours until Woj Great provided some clarity. Uh, and then later, we learned we're getting three first-round picks in exchange. We're sending out Kemba. There's a lot that happened. A lot that actually happened last night for the Knicks. And to sum it up, we traded that pick, 11, for three first-round picks. We moved Kemba to clear cap space, about $20 million in cap space. And that can all fuel a run at Jalen Brunson or Kyrie Irving, whichever way the Knicks brass decide to go. But yeah. either way, there were lots of confusion, lots of confusion for uh, for us Knicks Nation last night. Yeah, bro. Honestly, I was confused myself. And I think the uh, video that made the rounds last night was of one of a podcast of Knicks fans. Um, but they were just, yeah, yeah, everybody saw it. Where they were just basically confusing, to be quite frank, until, you know, you broke it. We broke it down earlier today when we were in discussion about the pod. I was confused, man. I was like, what? What really happened? But, uh, man, to sum it up, the Pistons, they bamboozled, they swindled <laughs> the New York Knicks, man. And uh, you hate to see it. You hate to see it. It's, yeah. Two more picks. You know, we're not going to go down and break down every uh, every pick in a draft this year. However, man, two guys that really caught my attention. The first one I'm going to go with, the Chicago Bulls pick. We didn't have a high pick. We were 18th overall. Um, we selected Dalen Terry. Um, you know, this is a guy who basically you look at. Yeah, I like him a lot. You look at his numbers, you know, they don't really scream at you. They don't really jump at you, you know. He was a sophomore, average 8 points, 4.8 rebounds, about 4 assists, shooting 50% from the field, very efficient, at a PER of 16.9, an effective field goal percent of 56. Um, this guy, really, he's going to come in and do what they drafted him to do, which is not score the basket. We have enough people who could do that. But, you know, play competitive, competitively on both ends of the floor, um, plug in some needs, really, on the defensive end for us, you know. Like um, passing get, lanes, all the shit Caruso does. Oh, you know what I'm saying? So we're going to have two uh, Swiss Army Knife guys. That really jumped out at me. Um, the second guy that I really got to shout out, man, and shouts out to the Warriors, man, because, bro, they win a championship, but they can never, ever miss. I think they got the steal of the night. 
in Patrick Baldwin in Patrick Baldwin Jr. They basically drafted a fourth Splash Brother. And yes, I am bestowing the third Splash Brother upon Jordan Poole. It has become official. You know, after the season that he had last year, he splish, splash, and shoot. I mean, he's got his old acronym for how wet his jump shot is. He's it's the pool party now. You know what I mean? So um I think they added a brother to that um to that fraternity. May I call it, you know, um, Patrick Baldwin, that's a guy who could just shoot lights out from anywhere in the floor, man. He he fits that uh, Warriors profile so well, right? He can, again, three-level score, um, very, very efficient three-point shooter, can basically get off, like I said, his jumper from anywhere, um, fits in with what they do defensively. The position that he plays, he'd be a good backup um, at the three or two or three, I believe it's a three. He's 6'9". So between the three and the four, be a big at three. But regardless, man, this is somebody that I'm really excited to see because the guy was a star in college. You know what I mean? That's something that a lot of us forget. Just because you're not drafted one through five doesn't mean you're not a guaranteed bucket getter. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Especially in today's NBA. Everyone wants someone that's 18 and three months old, you know. So if you're a <laughs> sophomore or a junior, you're, you're sliding. You're sliding. We've seen it with... Plenty of prospects, Miles Powers of the world. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't do your thing. If anything, you're more NBA ready with all those extra years of seasoning under your belt. A hundred percent. And I think it's interesting how things change because if we look back just as recent as 20 years ago, you know, or excuse me, let's go back as recent as 30 years ago. A lot of guys weren't even allowed to get drafted 30, 40 years ago until they were seniors. You look back as recent as 20, 25 years ago when Tim Duncan was getting drafted, right? They were wanted those guys with that experience, you know? And again, you know, they look at it now as we can get three or four more years out of this guy's career. Um, that's why they're looking for those younger guys. But nonetheless, I think it's interesting how it went from a mood of older experienced guys to let's get as young, raw as possible, and we'll fix and work on whatever it is that needs to be worked on, you know? Thanks.